1: Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons.
0: Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio on the Ztalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play Dr. Online. Uh, I have a story to tell, so you will indulge me. I mean, that's what I do on this show. I tell stories, right? Sort of. I mean, most of the time, what I do is storytelling, I guess. Right? Anyway, let's go back to uh, the fall of 1988. Uh, I had gotten my first uh, art job. You know, full-time art job uh, since I'd graduated art school a year and a half or so earlier, and um, it was working at a silk screening shop, a very small one, a startup one, uh, not the silk screening shop my wife currently works for. That's Coldside Silk Screening in Minneapolis, not that one. It was a different one in a little in a in a town a bit. Uh, south of the Twin Cities, uh, called Cottage Grove, and uh, it was a high school friend of mine. It was his brother-in-law, who was starting up this business, and uh, my friend recommended me as an artist, staff artist for them, and he hired me on. Now that didn't last very long, a couple months, three months. As I said, it was a startup business. Uh, the guy was trying to, you know, get it going, but uh, I had three paychecks bounce, which he made good. But uh, three paychecks bouncing, uh, and then I got laid off uh, just after Christmas or just before Christmas, somewhere in that range, and um, I decided to quit. So what I ended up doing was um, I didn't want to go back to Wendy's, and I so I looked in the want ads and I found that uh, uh, you know I, under janitorial I thought well you know I can do that I guess. A, a part-time job, three hours a, a day, five days a week, you know, Monday to Friday, five bucks an hour. And at that time I think minimum wage was three thirty-five. and I think I was making like four bucks or something like that when I worked at Wendy's, which is where I uh, the job I left to go to the silk screening job, and I think the silk screening job was paying me about the same, I think. I can't remember. Well, I thought, well, okay, that I was still living at home with my folks, so I I called. I got directions to the place to put in the application. It turns out it was the home of the husband and wife who owned the company and ran the company. Uh, so I you know I sat in the kitchen of their home as the wife was handing me the paperwork to fill out the, the application stuff, the tax forms, you know whatever form she handed over to me, and then she goes through the uh, uh, the rules of the company. And when she's done, she says, when can you start? And not, you know, <laughs> there was no, well, we got to do a background check or we've got other people who have applied and we're going to make our choice. And it wasn't any of that. It was, when can you start? <laughs> so I started right away. And that started a 33-year employment relationship, the last 14-plus of which have uh, I've been the office manager for the company. In uh, 1996, uh, the, the, the husband of the husband and wife team that owned the company, he had a couple of heart attacks, and so he got out of running the business. They moved it out of their house, and they found a nice place to to set up shop. And they uh, picked one of their employees uh, that had been with them for a while and had certain skills, and they thought he'd be good to be their office manager. Well, um uh, so, so over the course of the years, I worked part time for them. I worked full time for them. There were a couple of stretches where I didn't work for them at all, but I could, you know, they just would welcome me back if I needed extra work or if I needed work, you know. And uh, and and I would find other various jobs during the day. You know, like that. I had an art job for a while where I didn't work for them at all, but that fell through, so I went back to work for them. And uh, then I started working at Cold Side Silk Screening in 1996 as an art job, but I kept working, I think, part-time for, for uh, the, the janitorial service, things like that. And as I said, the last 14-plus years, I've been the office manager. The previous office manager decided it was time for him to retire, and uh, they, they were looking for somebody, and it occurred to someone on the staff, why don't we ask Jim? Because I was working for them still. I was doing two nights a week uh, cleaning. And they thought, why don't we ask Jim, see if he'd be interested. And I was, and I did. It was a, it was a good move to make at the time. And, and so I made that move. And as I said, 14 plus years later, office manager for the, for the company. Uh, back in September, uh, well, last summer, I got an email from my friend Richard. Richard was working at Coldside at that point, uh, and he wanted to retire, so he sent me an email asking if maybe Amy, my wife, would want to come to work in the art department. See, Amy used to work at Coldside as well. In fact, she got my job when I left to go work at an ad agency, and so she got my job, and I came back to visit, and that's when I met her. and the rest is history. And, and so, uh, and, and you know, at some point, uh, I came back to work in the office at Coldside, and Amy and I worked together for a while, and then she got laid off, and she, you know, she was pregnant, and then and, and decided to be a stay-at-home mom anyway, and so, and you know, things like that happened. But Richard wanted to retire. Richard had been at at Coldside back in 1996 when I started working there and he left and then he came back and some time ago to work in the art department and you know so he wanted to go so they asked do you think Amy would be interested and Amy was interested and she's been working in the art department there since September September of last year uh, 2021 depending on when you're listening to the show I don't know when you are listening to the show but you know if you're current 2021, September. Well, even if you're not current, it's still September 2021. Sorry, I'm getting caught in the weeds here. A couple months ago, uh, listeners that have been listening to me for a while, uh, to the show anyway, um, probably know that I have another job, a part-time job where I work for a comic book store. So a couple of months ago, uh, the owner of the store and his uh, longtime, very loyal employee, a friend of mine, that I met when I first started working at Cold He worked there too. Uh, uh, he'd been the, the store manager for the comic book store, NostalgiaZone.com. Check out the website if you want some comic books. It's you know good selection of Silver Age and Bronze Age and modern modern age comics. Some Golden Age, but you know, check it out. Anyway. The two of them were talking, and the boss was saying he was thinking he wanted to hire somebody else on to help run the register on a certain days, so that so that he could do his job of grading comic books and getting stuff out you know stock for sale, you know doing that. And and my friend said, well, you know, no, we don't need somebody new. We need Jim. We need Jim down here full time. And there was talk about it, talk with me and what we might need and all that kind of stuff. And it just I realized that the store is doing okay, but just not well enough to. Bring me on completely full time, although the boss did say, I can get you more hours. You know, like maybe go to, I used to do 10 hours a week, maybe go to 20 hours a week or 25, you know, get you more hours. Well, I told him at the time, you know, working the full time job, cleaning three nights a week, and doing the comic book thing, I was doing as much work as I really could do. Like, I don't know, it was like, it was working out to like 60 or 70 hours a week or something like that. And it's just, I know there are people out there that work more than that, but I, to me, that was, it was enough. I, I, I couldn't take it on any more. So that was a couple months ago. Well, then a month ago or so, Amy called me from work, and she said that the office manager at Coldside had talked to her uh, to see if maybe I'd be interested in helping out on a temporary basis in the office. You see, the office manager is in a band. Which, Coldside has this thing. <laughs> Since I started working there way back in 1996, and as far as I've known about the place, they almost always have employees uh, there that are also in bands. I mean, at one time, I think there were like three or four employees that were in bands, in some rock, punk, whatever kind of band. They were in bands. And so the office manager is... Fulfilling that, uh, that tradition. He's keeping it going and he's in a band and his band is going to go on tour The tour is going to start mid-April and run through late May. So it's like five maybe six weeks Where he'll be on the road. He can do most of his job Remotely he can check email. He can make the phone calls and that kind of stuff But there's some stuff he needs to be physically in the office to do it and he was thinking Since I've already got experience working in that office, it wouldn't be that difficult to bring me up to speed, and I wouldn't have to be there the whole day, I wouldn't have to quit my job, but just like temporarily for those few weeks, come down two or three days a week for about three hours, just to do some of that stuff that needs to be done physically in the office and i you know amy mentioned that to me and i said boy you know i am have to talk to my boss and see if i can get away with you know if he'd let me do it i'd have to split my time and i get less hours at the regular job my day job my uh, office manager's job but i would you know make that up by working over at cold side and and then you know then i talked directly to the office manager about this thing and and it, each time, though, even, I think, uh, I'm not sure right from the very beginning when Amy mentioned it to me, but each time I talked, there would just be this little mention of, well, you know, trying to find somebody permanent, too, because like, I'm looking for somebody permanent, too, but it never, never directed it to me to say, hey, you? <laughs> you know, didn't do that, so I just, you know, and I didn't push it, and it was like, yeah, I think they just, I don't know, you know, didn't, I didn't, I didn't really, I wasn't sure. Well, last Friday, as you know, I didn't do a show last week, and I'll talk about that later um, but last Friday uh, Hay- Hayden was home from college to you know for a spring break and Friday was the last day of the week for that he had his of, of his break and Sunday morning we'd be taking him back down to, to school so Friday I thought I'll take a half day and uh, I'll come and grab Hayden and then we'll go down. We'll go down to Cold Side, and then we'll, and then Amy and or the three of us will go have pizza. You know, there's a pizza place down by there that we'll go to. And so Hayden and I got down there. We go into the shop, and we're kind of hanging around, kibitzing with the people there, and joking around and stuff like that. And we're just about ready to go, when I pop into the office and I talk to the office manager again. And again, it's you know I told him at that point it's like I have, I still haven't talked to my boss about the temporary thing, and we had this conversation. And he brought up the the looking for someone for permanent, but um, and I said, now if you want somebody permanent, would they would they start off doing like part time and then work to full time? Is that what you're thinking? Because you know the busy season will come and then you're rocking pretty busy at that place. When it gets slow, it gets slow. Although they've had a pretty good slow season, meaning pretty busy slow season, actually. But um, and he said, yeah, that's what I'm looking for. And I said, really, uh, permanent? He says, yeah. I said, um, and the, Amy and Hayden have come into the office at this point. And I said, uh, "Okay, uh, I can do that. I'm your guy." He said, "Sure." I said, "Yeah." And He says, "Great!" You know, he was really happy because you know it's not going to take you long to get you up to speed, and you know you've got the experience, and you know it's just that'd be great. <laughs> you know, he, he was he was pretty happy about it, and. Um, so okay, so we went to lunch, came home. Now me though, I'm a worrier, and I want to make sure all the ducks are in order and stuff like that. So when we got home, I called him because there was a couple questions I had, and and um, uh, I just said, you know, okay, I want to make sure, you know, that that you really want to do this because Monday morning I will tell my boss, I'll give him a notice, and I want to give him four weeks. So I would start on the 11th. That would be a week before. Uh, the Office manager at Coltside would leave on the tour. so he'd give me you know five days to you know, work up to what I need to do. and um, you know and it would give me plenty of time to get all the stuff that's in my head that I do at the office job onto paper and on the computer so that it's a little smoother transition you know for me leaving. Now I still do the cleaning at night because I could still use that money that that gives, and I don't want to throw everything onto the supervisor because he would have to fill in because it's very difficult to find people to work, Uh, especially for what we pay them. See, that's, yeah, I have to put that in there. So anyway, so okay, I had a weekend where I felt anxious. I felt uh, just (laughs) because I, I was freaking out about telling my boss how do I do it? I reached out to friends. I talked to Amy. I talked to my dad. How do I do this? What do I do? And I got advice and then I tried to follow it as best I could because we've got good advice. And um, Saturday night, I had a hard time sleeping. And it occurred to me, wait a minute, there are two owners of Coldside. He's, the office manager's the manager. He's not the owner. Are the owners on board? Now, on- I've worked with her before, twice before I've worked there. The owners know me. And as far as I know, they like me. And so I, um, I you know, I was getting a little worried, though. Are they on board? Is this a done deal? I want to make sure. So I had Amy text John on Sunday. Um, and he said that he was going to be talking to the bosses first thing Monday. And he would, you know, let me know what they said. Well, Monday comes along. And... You know, Amy gets a text from him. She she had Monday and Tuesday off this past week because she had a cold, and it was a cold, not COVID. She even tested herself and she was negative, so that was good. Anyway, so um, she uh, um, got a text from him saying, you know, the bosses say it's a go. And so she told me, says it's a done deal. I said great, and then I but I the other questions I had for him, so I called the office manager, talked about it. He mentioned that one of the bosses said, oh, Jim could do this. For us and that you know, and I said, great, great. Everybody's on board. I said, okay, I'm going to tell my boss. I'll tell you how that went <laughs> when I get back from break. It wasn't awful, but I, I'll tell you how that went. Uh, you're listening to Jimland Radio on the Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Doctor Jim Fitzsimmons. I'll be back.
1: other guys the finger
0: you're listening to Ztalk Radio Network
1: don't just take my word for it but you are listening to Dimland Radio on Ztalk Radio Network
0: You're listening to Z Talk Radio, the number one choice for music, sports, news, and talk radio. So keep that dial locked to (laughs) ZTalkRadio.com. Welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the Z Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. I'm talking about moving on. <laughs> um, so, uh, I had uh, talked, like I said, I, I talked to Amy. How do I approach this? I talked to my dad. How do I approach this? I talked to my friend Craig. Uh, I talked to a friend of mine uh, out east. That uh, he owns a business, uh, a business that does very well, and uh, from what I can tell, he seems like he's a good boss. And he was a lot of help in kind of lining things up and 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 saying, look, don't feel guilty about this. You know, the only thing you really owe them is the smoothest transition out as you can give them. You know, do everything you can to make it easier for them. You know, that's just, that's the best. That's the only thing you really owe them. You know. What happens after you're gone? You know, they, it's they didn't have a plan. He says, obviously, they 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 leaned on you tremendously over the years, and they'd taken you for granted that you were always going to be there. You know, they so they uh, he, he gave me that, and he can you know, some pointers on how to approach it, and I did that. The boss calls in as his regular time. We go through our normal stuff that we talk about, and then. He says, well, okay, well, uh, talk to you later. You know, he starts to sign off, and I said, no, hang on. Uh, I need to tell you something. And I started by saying, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but I started by saying, there's nothing wrong with any of the accounts. There's no complaints or anything like that, so rest assured there. But then I said, uh, you know, I've been offered a job, and I've accepted the offer. Told him when I'd be leaving. Told him I'd do everything I can to get everything together, To take the stuff out of my brain and get it on paper where they can do it, and you know, he was, it was a shock, and I knew, you know, I said, I know this is a bolt out of the blue, you know, and I want to promise you, I didn't pursue this. This was something that came to me, just you know, circumstances were, and and I told him that you know, um, I said, you know, he says, so is is, is it you know, is it the pay? You know, better pay. And I said, well, the pay will be better. I wouldn't tell him what it was going to be. I'm not going to tell you either. Um, you know, and and he, he, I said, but really, it's I, I'm I I just I, I don't I don't want to do this anymore. I told him I don't see being the office manager, even though I'm not in an office that has 11 other people in there, but where but I but I work for a company that has about 12 people working for them, including, including me. And even though I don't manage them on a daily basis in the office, I'm managing them while they're out in the field because they're out cleaning buildings and that. So I have to, you know, I'm managing them that way. Now we have a supervisor that's also doing some managing of them. And I told him, I said, look, I just don't want to manage people anymore. I don't want to do that anymore. When I first started doing the office managing, I was still cleaning at night, a couple nights a week. And we had a head supervisor back in those days Um, that I know he was the first guy to train me in back in 1989 and, um, we, and we'd become friends and I was, I was talking about things with him and I said, you know, it's different now when I'm cleaning my buildings before I would, you know, I, I, when I was working, uh, at Coldside in the office there and then I would be cleaning at night when I was cleaning, I wasn't worried about, uh, are all the employees showing up at their job? That one in particular. Uh, is that employee over there, are they doing the work they're supposed to be doing? Are they catching the details? Because we've been getting a couple little, little complaints, nothing major, but just you know little. Are they doing that? We got an open run over here. Am I gonna be able to hire somebody there? I can't find large bags. Uh, are we going to have, you know, uh, you know, can't get the ones we normally get. Are we going to be able to get the supplies we need? We're, we're, you know, because with the supply chain thing, there's been some problems. Our van, our van's screwing up. seems like the transmission's going out. it. When I was cleaning, just cleaning for the company, I didn't worry about any of that. The only thing I worried about was the job at hand, cleaning my building. And maybe I worried the account would go away. Sometimes we lose accounts just because the company moves to a different uh, location from the building that we were cleaning and uh, the, wherever they're moving, they already have, uh, they're, they're, there's a service provided. You know, that, that that property management company already has somebody on board. So I didn't, uh, you know, it's just all I, it was just do your job, which is, I was feeling more and more and more like that. And I felt that way over the years, over the 14 years, but I'm feeling more and more like that when the employees, when something goes on, it's just, I just want to just yell at them and just say, just do your job, you know. But I know we're not paying them great. It, we used to pay better, you know, in comparison, you know, with where minimum wage was and where you know all that other stuff. We used to be better, but not anymore. Uh, the, the, the The great recession of two thousand eight really hurt the company, and they have not recovered, we, but we've just been sort of slowly moving and, you know, so the boss who uh, was shocked he said he had an inkling that things where uh, something was going on sometimes I would say something, there would be a little something and I told him, I said, yeah, I, it was harder and harder for me to hide my frustration and, you know, he said, yeah you know, a couple of weeks ago, you just, you just flat out said, I am sick of this shit <laughs> and I did so you know uh, and so it's been the first week now since I've told him, and I, I will say this, I'm getting a little, I'm, I, I gave him a week, I'm giving them a week, next week I'm going to start telling them, look, I'm leaving, enough of the guilt trips, okay, stop telling me how much work I'm putting on you, I know how much work I'm putting on you, it's not my fault you didn't plan on anything. I, I probably won't put it that way because I'm taking my dad's advice, advice he'd given us uh, us kids, his kids, uh, for years about jobs. Don't burn bridges. Don't walk off and say, you know, screw you, boss. Don't burn bridges. Do a good job while you're on the job. Be dependable. Be reliable. Do the work. Do good work and when it comes time to leave leave on good standing because you don't know you know you don't know if you know what you're going to might not last and it's nice to know that your former employer would like to have you back so don't burn bridges and so I'm going to keep trying to remember that over the next 3 weeks <laughs> okay um so I didn't do a show last weekend, and that was because it was uh, it was kind of a full week. Hayden was home for a week from from school. Uh, that Friday we took the half day, and of course you know what I just talked about. Um, I, I but Saturday was gonna I'd be working at the comic store. Saturday night uh, we went to see the Batman, uh, the three of us, and then Sunday morning I'd be driving him uh, back to school. Amy and I were driving back to school. And then Sunday night, Amy and I went to see a concert. A rock and roll concert. A rock and roll concert by the band Tool. You know, I, I told a couple of people beforehand, you know, like the delivery guy at, uh, at, the, at the janitor job, he, he brought in an order on Friday, and uh, on the monthly order. And, he's, and I, he says, well, so we, you know, each month we kind of chat with each other and all that. He says to me, he says, well, uh, got any plans for the weekend? And I said, well, as a matter of fact, my wife and I are going to go see Tool. And he looked at me and he said, huh, I wouldn't figure you would be the kind of guy that would see Tool. <laughs> and I and I think I said this about Black Mitty when we went to see them in concert. Uh, I, I told him, I said, well, uh, my wife likes Tool, and I like my wife. So... Uh, we actually met up with uh, two of the Minnesota Skeptics' elders, my friend Craig, uh, my friends, Craig and Travis. Uh, uh, they, they're big Tool fans, great big Tool fans. And um, I enjoyed the show. They have a really uh, impressive light show and with displays. They, 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 this kind of sheer curtain comes around the front of the stage so you can see the band through the curtain, but they can project images onto that. And that stays that way for about half the concert. Then they open it up and they do other kinds of light stuff with laser beams going around and stuff like that. And, um, you know, our seats were uh, on, the, on the, the stage. was in, in, We were up along the side. You know, as you're standing on the stage, I don't know if stage left, left, stage right. I don't know any of that shit. But as you're standing on the stage facing the audience, we were to the right. And up in the upper deck, I mean, we were just flush with the stage, so we could look straight down, and we could see the guys on there. And the lead singer is a fellow named Maynard. Maynard doesn't uh, stand up front; he's not like a regular rock and roll front man. He's in the back. There's a couple platforms on either side of the of the drum kit that he he does his thing on. And it's he's not in spotlight. He's just you know you get a little bit of light on him. You can see him there doing his thing, but he I. I'm not sure exactly why he he does it that way. Amy says it's something to do with he gets really into the songs and he doesn't want to. I don't. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know why he does it. That's just what he does, and that's fine. I mean, he's no Mick Jagger, right? He's no old guy acting like a chicken. Uh, which is a description that somebody I know. I can't, I can't remember who it was, but uh, or some podcast I listened to, so I'm trying to remember. Memories, oh gosh, I'm getting old. Uh, they were saying that they were watching some old guy on television acting like a chicken, <laughs> and the dad who was telling the story looked at the screen and sees that it's uh, Rolling Stones in concert, and it was Mick Jagger. <laughs> so anyway, um, I enjoyed the show. I didn't know a single song, not one. I I I I watched online a full concert that someone surreptitiously took on their, with their phone. I, I watched that, um, and it was a show from January this year, two thousand uh, twenty-two, two twenty twenty-two, uh, and it, which the band frowns upon. They even announced, you know to ensure a great performance, or to help the band do a better performance, please don't be taking pictures and video, because it because it pisses them off. That's not exactly what they said, but they said don't please don't do that. And well, they did it anyway, apparently. So I I watched it, um, and I thought, wow, that's an impressive light show. That's impressive. It's really it's really cool. The guys aren't like aren't like the Who. Uh, they, they don't jump, you know, they're not like Townsend jumping up and down and, you know, swinging microphones like Daltry does, and they don't, they don't, you know, the drummer doesn't all act crazy, and then the bass player just stands there looking like he's bored. Um, they don't, they don't do, they pretty much kind of do their, stay in their spots. They move around a little bit, but there's not, this running around, and, you know, I kind of like bands that run around, <laughs> but that doesn't, doesn't matter. I enjoyed the show. I thought it was good. No... Travis thought that, okay, now you've come to your senses and Tool is your favorite band, right? And I said, settle down. (laughs) I enjoy them. Nobody's taking the who from, nobody's knocking that from my favorite band status. It's just not going to happen. They're cemented. They're there on my deathbed. If you ask me who's my favorite band, I'll say who? Anyway. So that was cool. It was cool. The Batman, the movie The Batman, I thought it was uh, a pretty good, dang it. It was pretty good. Um, it was, as my son put it, it's like a, it was a, and I don't know if he came up with this himself or if he heard it somewhere else, it's a cross between The Dark Knight from the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy from a few years ago. Um, it was a cross between The Dark Knight and Seven, it's it's not not quite as bleak as seven, but pretty close. It's disturbing, and all that. But I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I was uh, Robert Pattinson pulled the role off just fine, and uh, as Batman and his, his Bruce Wayne was pretty good, if a little emo. Um, the villain was great. Paul Dano. I've heard it. I've heard, I thought it was Dano, but I've been hearing it's Dano. So okay, he was great. Uh, Jeffrey Wright, who plays James Gordon, also great. Love Jeffrey Wright's voice; just love his voice. There's just some. There's a quality to it. I just love his voice. Uh, uh, Zoe Kravitz was great as uh, as as Catwoman, and and it was just yeah, it was good. And it was and it felt even more grounded in reality than the Christopher Nolan films, even more. And and it really played up the detective aspect of Batman. He's supposed to be the world's greatest detective. And, you know, I was listening to this podcast that I listened to, Frankenstein Minute. There's a guy on there. That's, and, that, and this podcast is, is produced here in Minnesota. And this guy on the podcast says that, uh, you know, his Batman is Adam West. He's sick to death of all these dark and brooding Batman. Well, really? Then you don't like Batman. <laughs> no, no. Because that's what Batman is. That's what Batman started to be. He got silly in the 50s and the 60s until the 70s came along, and Dennis O'Neill and and Neil Adams brought him back to the way he was. He was dark and brooding and 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 nasty. <laughs> he, had, he had a horrible, you know, origins that started, which they didn't dwell on his origin story in this movie. We, everybody knows it, so they didn't dwell on it. Of course, it's referred to, but there's no, you know, they don't have to go through all that. We, the, he's This is the second year that he's been Batman, is what this movie is about. and. It, and that's what the batman is. I like my I like my Dennis O'Neill Batman. I like uh my Frank Miller Batman. I like a dark Batman. That's because that's was that was Bill Finger's vision. Notice I didn't say Bob Kane. Okay, Bob Kane had a vision, but he didn't do shit with the creation of Batman, not much. It was Bill Finger that did everything. But anyway, I'm not going to get too deep into that. I think well, how much... How, how, I've lost track of where... <laughs> of the time on the show. Uh, I'm going to take my break, uh, my second break, right now. So you're listening to Dimland Radio on the Ztalk Radio Network uh, at uh, ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. I'm coming back after this break. <laughs>
1: You're listening to
0: Z Talk Radio Network. You told me that aliens really exist. You met them and See us Hey Sam! Have you ever wondered what skeptics are up to in countries where English is not necessarily the first language? Or are you interested to learn about some fascinating and sometimes very bizarre Europe-related facts, events or people from history of scepticism? Or do you just want to know who's been really wrong lately? You can find out all about that and more on the award-winning show The ESP. The The European Skeptics Podcast. Podcast. So, where can people find the show? You can find it online at theesp.eu, but you can also follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu, or like us on Facebook. Oh, and you can contact the show by sending an email to info at theesp.eu. If you want to subscribe, do a quick search for the European Skeptics Podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get to your podcast. The European Skeptics Podcast. The real ESP
1: experience. He's endlessly pushing the rock of reason up the hill of paranormal. It's Dr. Dim and you're listening to Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network.
0: You know, if I can maneuver into a tight parking spot at the mall, I'm pretty much sexually satisfied. And I've been to the mall twice today already.
1: You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network.
0: Dimland Radio at the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. Uh, let's see. Okay, so oh, don't get me wrong. I like the Adam West Batman. I mean, that was the first Batman I was really exposed to. You know, the 1966 series. Uh, I had to wait till the reruns, of course. I was only two in 1966. And um, that's right, I'm old. Uh, so uh, and, and and so don't get me wrong. I like that. I like it's campy. It's silly. I like it for what it is. Uh, I actually have on the table in front of me the uh, uh, box set Blu-ray set of the entire Batman 66 series. This is uh, belongs to a friend of mine who's loaned it to me, and I've been watching them and I've been enjoying them. Right. Uh, so yeah, I'm fine with that. But that's not the real Batman. It's not. It's that Batman. But apparently, this guy on the podcast who, hey, it's art. It's subjective. It's what you like. You know, he's not wrong. He just he prefers that Batman. He's tired of the Dark Batmans. But then he's tired of Batman because that's what Batman is. But I've already gone through that. Let's not let's not start again. Herschel Walker former football player I think he tried out I'm not sure if he made it but I think he tried out for the uh, American Olympic uh, bobsled team I think he I'm not sure if he made the team though anyway Herschel Walker has thrown his hat into the political ring in Georgia down there in Georgia Uh, Herschel Walker does not understand evolution so he's running for the U.S. Senate in Georgia can you guess which party he's running in which which of the two parties he's part of that he's running for senate? I'll give you a hint. He doesn't understand evolution. Right, Republican. Okay. So, not saying that the Democrats understand revolution better, but well they do. And and not saying that there aren't any Republicans that that don't understand, you know, that that there aren't any Republicans that do Understand evolution. There probably are a couple of them. They keep it to themselves. They don't say anything because they can't, because they, you know, because of the Bible and their voters, you know. So, and, and it's, he, he, so, I mean, and there's probably some Democrats that don't understand evolution because of the Bible and their voters. <laughs> you know, or they keep it to, yeah, they, because they, well, anyway, anyway, never mind. Uh, let's not get too goofy there. And the reason I say that he was at some he was at some hey, yay God uh, meetup uh, where he was on stage with some preacher guy. And, uh, and and he says to the audience, and I quote, at one time, science said man came from apes, did it not? If this is true... Wait for it. Do you know what's coming? Do you know what's coming? If you're somebody who's paid attention to the the creationist types and the things that they say, you're probably guessing what he's going to say here. If this is true, why are there still apes? Think about it. Unquote. Think about it. Why are there still apes? Some clever person on the social media... Asked Herschel, says, you know, the Bible tells us that God made Adam from dirt. So if man came from dirt, why is there still dirt? Think about it. I'm not an evolutionary scientist. I'm not a scientist either. I didn't take science classes in high school. I took art classes. I had science in grade school and junior high, but not in high school. Didn't have biology class. Didn't have any of that. But I understand evolution. Oh, I may not have the intricacies. I may not be an expert on this kind of thing. But I understand that uh, when, when somebody says, at one time science said man came from apes, did it not? I know the answer is not. No, science did not say man came from apes. You know what science says? Science says man, or humans, is apes. Except they probably used the proper verb tense. Humans are apes. Well, we're in a subgroup of primates that is, is, is called, the, called great apes. We are considered apes. Okay. We're very smart. We have complex language which other apes don't and our, you know, we're this is this is the thing that Herschel doesn't understand about evolution. Now, of course, if you told them that science says we are apes, they'd be even more upset than that than saying that we came from apes. To tell them that we are apes, they'd freak the shit out. No way. I ain't no monkey. That's right. You're an ape. Monkeys aren't apes. Stop it, man. You know I guess the uh, the preacher dude, the God dude on the stage with, with, uh, with Herschel, when Herschel started saying the stuff, you know, about uh, you know why are there still apes, you know all that when he, when, he, when he said that, uh, the the preacher man said something like, uh, "Hey, you know, don't don't start getting so smart on us now." Or something like that. You're you're being so smart now, or something. That's like, no, he's not. He's being a dumbass. He's being an ignorant ass. Now, here's the here's what's happened. Here's here's the thing. Here's the thing about life on Earth. Every form of life that exists right now every form of life that has ever existed from the moment life began. How it began, evolution doesn't say. Evolution just says, once life was here, this is what happened to create all these species. All these different forms of life. All right? It doesn't say how the life started. It just says, this is what happened once life got going. Every thing that has ever lived on this planet, that is living on this planet right now, is related to every other living thing that has ever lived on this planet. We are all related. Humans are related to apes, like I said, humans are considered to be apes, but we're related to chimpanzees. They're our closest cousin on the evolutionary scale of all life on the planet. The the chimpanzees are closest to us, you follow back, because we all come from a common ancestor. Just how closely related we are depends on how close our common ancestor is to us. So somewhere, you know, we follow back where we branched off to, you know, where the branch went one way to become humans, went the other way to become chimpanzees. At that branching point is the common ancestor. So that means that we're related to chimpanzees and bonobos and gorillas and orangutans. We're also related to the kitty cat laying on my couch. We're related to dogs. We're related to elephants. We're related to sea jellies. They're not jellyfish because they're not fish, but they're also not jelly. But we're related to them. We're related to grass, oak trees, poison ivy. We're related to all this stuff. We're related to that single-cell thing that first popped in, you know, came to life. Uh, like, th- I think, like, three and a half million years ago. Billion years ago. Three and a half billion years ago. I think that's when it was. When the first forms of life showed up. The simple, simple, simple form. And it's just, over time, as it as it each generation came from that, you know, as that, as that life form created the next generation, you know, the next generation came from it. Little changes in their genetic structure, their genetic makeup, little mutations, little differences were taking place. And the differences that helped it survive, that helped it do better than the other living things around it, were passed along to the next generation, and that generation had made to have little mutant things happen to it, and that passed along to the ne- next generation, and the next generation, and, and down and down and down through through thousands and thousands and thousands, or you know, of generations, through millions of years, it it and, and turned into the, all the life we see on the planet today. If you're not sure about evolution. God damn it. We've got this, for the last two years, more than two years now, we've had this coronavirus evolving. We call it variants because it gets a mutation and it changes and it's a little more infective. In fact, Omicron, Omicron has a new variant. BA2, which is starting to cause an uptick, if we want to downplay it, an uptick of cases in China and Europe, and that's surely going to come over here to the United States in a month or so. And so we're going to be back into masks and we're going to be doing all that kind of shit. But that's evolution, that's what's going on as the virus has a chance to reproduce and reproduce and reproduce and reproduce, little tiny mutations, little things go, you know, change about it. And nature says, ah, this works. This makes us better. We select that. It's called natural selection. And the changes that don't do anything, there's a lot of them that don't do anything. They just kind of, whatever. And some, that are, some are harmful. And the thing dies off. I, went, I took art classes and I knew this shit. Think about it. How much time have I got left? Huh, I'm not going to get this done in four minutes. <laughs> I might go long this week. Okay, I have a movie recommendation. Uh, it's, I, I blogged about it this week at uh, Nostalgia Zone's official blog site, Warehouse Fine. I'll link to that on the show notes, which you can get to by going to dimland.com, click on the show notes slash blog option, and I'll have it linked in there. And it's, uh, I, I, I did a retro movie review uh, of the film The Towering Inferno. It's from 1974. Uh, I'm not going to go into uh, much of the stuff that I talked about in, in, in the blog. I'm going to give you some different stuff here So, if you want even more, go to the blog. Like, if you're not checking out the blog, you're only getting 72.8% of the show. Okay, so you need to check out the blog to get the whole thing. So, um, uh, Tower Inferno, you know, came out in the 1970s, 1974. In the 1970s, uh, the trend in movies was to do these big disaster movies uh, because Hollywood found that... uh, uh, movies like Air- Airport, which came out in 1970, and uh, the Towering, uh, not the Towering, the Poseidon Adventure, which came out in 1972, um, you know, people like to watch these movies that have uh, star-studded casts uh, with all these characters. And some of these characters were finding out that they have these little dramas going on. These, all these little things happening, and then the disaster happens. And once the disaster is over, the little dramas don't see so, seem so dramatic. Right, and and the people love them. They eat them up. They, you know, they see people acting heroically, and of course, sometimes you see people not acting so heroically, and and it, that's all part of the films, right? And Towering Inferno, I think is one of the better ones. I remember seeing that when it was in the theater in 1974. I was like nine or ten, and it was just wow. And I got the Blu-ray of it a, a while back, and um, I just watched it again last night, uh, and there was a. A couple of things I wanted to bring up that I didn't put in the blog. Uh, uh, it stars Paul Newman and Steve McQueen. They're the two leads. And there's William Holden, who, by the way, I did mention this in the blog. William Holden was about 56 when he made that movie. I'm 57! <laughs> and there's no way I look as old as he does, or did. And I attribute it to two things, or maybe three things drinking smoking and sun I don't think I, I think I think uh, William Holden uh, did the first two the drinking and the smoking and didn't avoid the third thing the Sun now I have a beer here and there I don't smoke and I avoid the Sun oh sure genetics might have something to do with it but people looked older back then and I think it's because they smoked they drank and they didn't avoid the Sun I could be wrong I'm not a scientist. What do I know? I'm an artist. I'm a janitor. What do I know? All right. <clears throat> um, in the movie, uh, there's Jennifer Jones. She's an old-time actor from way in the, way back days, and she was quite old. Uh, well, she was you know at the end of her career when she made this movie. In fact, it was the last movie she ever made, and she plays uh, a rich widow, who uh, Fred Astaire, who plays this this con man who's trying to. You know, bilk her out of some money by selling her some fake stock options. You know, he's whining and diner and all that kind of stuff. Well, we see her in the film uh, early on. She's in one of the uh, she's in one of the apartments that are in the tower. She lives there, but she's visiting a, a, a family that lives there. It's a it's a mom and two kids, a boy. Who's about I don't know thirteen? He's played by uh, uh, he's Bobby Brady, the kid to play Bobby Brady in the Brady Bunch. Well, so there's Bobby, and then there's Angela, the younger sister, who's about eight or something like that. Yeah. And um, we see uh, Jennifer Jones's character. She's in, in in their apartment, and the mom is coming back from work, I suppose. And uh, she w- uh, uh, she was uh, Jones was teaching the the daughter, um, you know, some art stuff, right? And, and Bobby's walking around with his uh, headphone radio things on, his cans on. And uh, we find out, through watching the film, that uh, 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 Joan says something to the daughter to tell the mother, because the mother happens to be deaf. So the daughter signs for her and the mother signs back and then the daughter says mommy asks if uh, if you'll stay for dinner with us and then uh, Joan says no i'm i'm going to the party there was the dedication party was happening that night i'm going to the party uh, uh, aren't you guys going and th- for me this was one of the greatest unintentionally funny moments <laughs> i've ever seen in movies the daughter turns to her mother she does the signing, the mother signs something back. Daughter turns to the you know the rich widow and she says, uh, "Mommy says uh, she doesn't go to parties since Daddy died." <laughs> <laughs> okay, that took a turn. <laughs> Mommy doesn't go to parties since Daddy died. <laughs> oh, uh, just, <laughs> like how do you respond to that? Uh, uh, you know, you got to get back out there, you know. <laughs> Okay, the other thing. The other thing that occurred to me... Boy, I'm probably going to go long. I tried not to go long, but I'm going to go long anyway, so (laughs) what can I tell you? The other thing occurred to me is one of these.
1: And now it's time for a dimland Radio Pedantic Moment. Yeah, this ought to be good.
0: Yeah, well, I think it might be. Okay. Steve McQueen plays the fire chief. Paul Newman plays the architect. All right. So, um, building's on fire, and uh, the 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 fire chief is down on uh, on on the on the uh, at the ground floor. He's talking to one of his superiors, and the superior guy there has a structural engineer there, and the structural engineer is looking over the building stuff and all that. Uh, the architect is up in the party room with the horrible green shag carpet. And the party room is above the fire. And they're realizing there's no way they're going to get that 200 or so people that are up in that in that party room out of there. Because the fire is going to get to them. But they have a, a desperate plan to put out the fire. Now, this is a spoiler. Sorry. But, you know, the movie's from 1974. Come on. Okay. Okay. Um, Uh, a, a fire chief is told by his superior that what the plan is is to get the fire chief up there to put explosives on these massive water tanks holding a million gallons of water that will release all that water the water will come down through the tower and put out the fire the structural engineer guy says it'll work and the building structure will say it will stay it'll be fine but a lot of water running through with a lot of debris being pushed by the water, so it's going to be a dangerous fix, but it's the best way we can save those people to stop, stop the fire, okay? Now, his superior tells him there's only two people here who are qualified to set those charges. You, the fire chief, and this other guy who we just sent to the burn unit. So really, there's only one person there. Of the thousand or so firefighters that are there, only one has the ability to stop this. And he says, under the circumstances, we can't order you to do this. What? Would you do it? Those aren't the exact words. And Steve McQueen does this great realization look, and he just says, oh shit. <laughs> Okay, so it works out where McQueen gets airlifted up there on, with a helicopter. Uh, he contacts the architect, and he says, "That's Paul Newman. Meet me up in that upper area just below the uh, the, uh, the the roof of the of the of the top of the tower." So they meet there. He you know he's told them what they're going to do, and and so they they they. You know, they, they get met up there, and there's the water tanks. You can see them; they're pretty obvious. These are the water tanks. And he talks to the architect about it, and the architect says, well, "I know where to put the charges, but I don't know how to, I don't know how to do this." This is what happens. It's the plastic, plastics, explosives. You know, the 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 C4, right? So, so fire chief holds out a bit of the plastic. All right, here's your explosive. Here's your detonator. So you got these two little spikes that you put into the plastic. You jab them in there, jab it in there. Both of those two little spike detonators things, they have cords that come off them. You unreel the cord and you throw it out so that it's that it can be grabbed up later to put into the little device that'll you know set the uh, set the stuff off, right? And then you take that lump of plastic and you p- put it up against the, the water tank. You put it like this, like this. And he shows him that and he looks at him and he says, Got it? And Paul Newman says, "Got it." And I said, "Only one person. <laughs> well, actually, only two people of the crowd that, of firefighters there. Only two of them had these qualifications, and yet he was able to teach the architect how to do it in less than a minute." I just, what the hell? And I told this to my wife, and I said, "Only two people." She said, "Yeah, the fire chief and whoever he showed how to do it." <laughs> so, <it's laughs> but still, don't get me wrong. It was great. It's, it's 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 fun. It's popcorn fun. Don't think too much about it. It's got stuff. Read my blog about it. It's on the it's on the dimland.com uh, site. And I, you know, I'm not going to get to that other thing I was going to talk about it because I'm going too long. Maybe I'll talk about it next week. Uh, you've been listening. Oh, hang on. I got to do this.
1: Good night, Adolfo <laughs> Good
0: night. Proud only two! Only two people here can do it! Unless you show somebody. <laughs> all right, you've been listening to Tim Lynn Radio on the ZTark Radio Network at ztarkradio.com. Wear a mask if you need to. Get your boosters, all that shit. And I'll see you next week. Sleep with the lights off. Production of the Z Talk Radio Network. And now, a message to our competitors. Thanks Thanks for for tuning us in. in. Well, I'm going going to to hell. Only two.